Hi, I'm Ellen Levetter. I'm Jake Morecambe. Welcome to Think Sustainability on 2SER, where we look at practical solutions for a better planet. Jake, do you like weed? Uh, <laughs> weed? Do I like it? Like weed, like weeds, weeding, gardening, whatever. Do you like gardening? Oh, oh, oh. I thought you... Never mind. Um, I don't mind a bit of gardening here and there, I guess, but at my house, whenever we do it, it means avoiding all the cat poop in the garden. So weeds, no, they're annoying and they strangle my plants. So you wouldn't eat one then? Eat a what? A weed. Eat a weed? Yeah. Um, why? Because they're actually kind of delicious, and I now know from experience. Later on, we're going to take you on a food foraging expedition to find out which weeds you can eat with dinner. And make a weed slice instead of a zucchini slice. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) Whatever you want, Jake. Also, are you a business owner? Or maybe you know someone who owns a business. We're going to head along to a small business seminar and hear about some easy ways that small businesses can drastically lower their carbon footprint. But up first, I think we should start with a bit of a dance. Mm-hmm. When you say it like that, oh, 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 oh. got me falling right back. Oh, 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 oh. When you say it like You're standing in the middle of a massive crowd. Your favourite band is playing. Everyone's entranced by the loud music. Someone probably spills a drink on you, but it's all right. Because you're having fun, right? That's what festivals are meant to be. Sounds maybe a little overblown, but I really think events can change people's lives and they can change behaviour and they can change the way people think. That's Gil Minervini. She's a festival expert and the director for Newtown Festival coming up in November. Name a festival in New South Wales and she's probably been involved somehow. Well, the first thing is always about the audience experience, really, to be honest. Um, that's why we do events. We're in the business of making sure that people have a good time or that the message that we're trying to get across, we get across well. Think of the last festival that you went to, or it doesn't have to be a festival, maybe just a big event with lots of people. When you're all bustling into a squishy mob to get to the exit, what could you see left behind you? Rubbish. Lots of rubbish. Maybe even some of it was yours. Or mine. Is that your fault? Maybe. But Gil doesn't think it's just your responsibility to do something about it. I used to be the festival director for Mardi Gras and direct parties for 20,000 people that were having a good time. But in those situations when people are maybe (laughs) altered in some way or whatever, um, I think then the responsibility of of us as event directors and, and event producers to make sure that those more sustainable options are available to them. For the Newtown Festival last year, all the cutlery from the food booths was recyclable. There were worm farms for some of the compostables and even a valet for people's bikes. But with all this stuff on offer, do people actually utilise it? Can we change people throwing beer cans and stuff all over an, uh, you know, a site? No, not, not really. You can't make people do it, but you can offer them the alternative and you can definitely control what happens to the waste after the event 
Um, you can definitely control what's on sale at the event and, and the reciprocals and stuff that, that's on sale in. So by offering punters those sort of more sustainable options, I think we can change the culture. You know, we can offer more bins, we can, can, we can make it more obvious about which bin to put certain things in. If you're a Sydney cider, you're probably aware that it's Vivid Time. Vivid is an annual event that lights up nearly every corner of the Sydney city. It's a huge event, attracting lots of people from not just around the country, but from across the globe. There's a lot going on and a lot of things to consider when we're talking about sustainability. Like, how is the whole thing powered? Hi, I'm Naomi Martin. I'm the Environmental Sustainability Manager at Sydney Opera House. Naomi's also in charge of making sure that Vivid is sustainable. Within the Opera House, in our events, we've uh, taken a lot of time to try and reduce the amount of electricity we use. And in particular, our lighting, we've reduced the electricity we use by 15% over the last five years. Um, So, for example, all the lights in the concert hall are LED lights now, both the ones that light the audience and the ones on the stage. But also... Acknowledging for Vivid, we're actually putting on a whole lot of extra lights on the external surfaces. We have taken the um, the step of purchasing 100% green power, which means that we're supporting renewable energy and providing extra funding to renewable energy sources in New South Wales um, as part of our contribution to being carbon neutral. And so how much energy are we talking about here? Like, How much stuff do you have to power? So Sydney Opera House at full throttle uses about the same amount of electricity as the town of Burke, which is 5,000 people. So we'll have 5,000 people in here and we're using a lot of electricity, you know, the same as a town. Um, So that equates over Vivid Live to about 120 megawatt hours of electricity. And you ha- because it goes over the course of a number of weeks, so that's a lot of energy. So how much did you consider about the length of time and how much projection was going on um, when you decided to purchase the green power? So we have an environmental sustainability plan at the Opera House that involves reducing the amount of resources, being efficient in the resources that we use. And part of that is monitoring. And so we've got uh, monit- meters on our electricity use. And so we have we know how much electricity we use every, every half an hour and we can graph it and we can, you know, I guess play with that data. And that's how we collect that information. So we'll know the hours that Vivid Live activities are on and we can look at what energy was used during the time that Vivid Live was on from the metering that we do. I loved a few years ago, um, we worked, we actually did try this, but in, with TEDx, the first time they held it at the Opera House, they had... As Naomi and I were talking, I was thinking about all the things I might see at a festival. There'd be bins for allocating your rubbish, directions to where the buses are, food stalls, and people, lots of people all with different things they want to see, all with different opinions. But one thing in common, the arts. 
The art world is where new ideas are celebrated and innovative things are made, shaped and enjoyed by many. So it makes sense that the art world and sustainability should go hand in hand. Yeah, that was a really exciting moment. And with TEDx, the first time they held it at the Opera House, they had they crowdsourced the food that people ate on the day. And so the day before, they... They said, right, everyone bring the tomatoes you grew in your backyard. And and you had a whole lot of people coming down with, like, you know, some parsley and some tomatoes and some potatoes. And then the Aria um, chefs, who were pretty stressed about it, I think, (laughs) then had to, you know, take all this pile of stuff and make it into food for the, you know, 2,000 people who went to TEDx. And I think that was, was an amazing sort of collaboration to, I guess, show how food can be grown local. And, yeah, that was a really exciting moment. And, um I think from there with the Opera House and the um, food and beverage outlets, the restaurants, you know, do try and celebrate local food. At, they don't quite, you know, you know, crowdsource their food because that was logistically quite challenging. But they do try and celebrate local foods and you know, local suppliers in, um, I guess, their everyday offerings. The arts industry is such a hub for ideas in terms of sustainability because I'm sure there's so many things that you've been able to devise here and that they there might not necessarily be another platform for these ideas to come up and then think about things in other ways. Is Would you agree with that? I think to make a more sustainable world and a better future, you need to inspire people. You can't do it by just telling them facts or by explaining what's bad you have to inspire them about what could be how could they could be better and how we could all be better collectively and that's what art does it's about bringing people together to feel a sense of culture and also feel what we could do together and working in an arts organization is enables you to think creatively about the way you do things and I guess communicate creatively as well and part of the vivid festival it's you know, for example, um, it's not only environmental but social outcomes as well. For example, I love that we've got Indigenous art and song lines being sort of projected onto the sales this year. And the food and beverage people have then creatively gone, okay, if we're talking about song lines in different parts of you know, Australia, then let's actually celebrate the foods from that part of Australia. So we're celebrating bush tucker as well through the food and beverage outlets. You can buy bush tucker food that's special for Vivid. Naomi Martin, Environmental Sustainability Manager at the Sydney Opera House. And yeah, that's one thing that always gets me about some festivals is when you're leaving and you see stuff lying around on the ground afterwards and you're like, why didn't you take your rubbish with you? Yeah, even if I'm dancing and waving around with two ciders in either hand, I'll still put them in the right bin when I'm done. (laughs) When you're done your boogie. Yeah, not chucking those ciders on the floor. You're listening to Think Sustainability on 2SCR 107.3. Now, you and I love our veggies and salads, Jake. We're the green queens. Every lunchtime <laughs> in our office, we compare notes on what's going on in our salads. Some people are probably like, what? <laughs> and I'm always so amazed by the different herbs you manage to get in yours, though, Ellen. Yeah, I do. I make a mean dill and pea salad. But what if I told you you could not just put herbs in your salad, but put weeds in as well? Weeds? Yeah, you know, like the stuff that grows in your backyard or the median <laughs> strip that we usually just hate and like throw in the green bin. And not just in our salads, but any meal, I guess. I'd say you're a little loopy. Uh, and I probably would have agreed with you up until this week when I met Diego. Uh, okay, so welcome. 
I'm Diego. Uh, I'm your local entertainment for the next couple of hours. Diego Bonetto is a wild forager who believes we humans undervalue weeds. He's been working professionally in Australia for about 10 years. He runs workshops and tours all around Sydney about how to identify weeds and their uses. Diego grew up on a farm and spent his childhood picking plants for food. It's a skill, he says, we have since forgotten, especially if you're a city kid through and through, like I was. Um, once upon a time, we used to have our uncle and aunties taking us out when we were kids, yeah? These days, uncle and aunties are too busy with superannuation. This is knowledge that used to be common knowledge. Two generations ago, you didn't need me, a clown from Italy, to tell you what the weeds look like. We were all gardeners. We were all gardeners. We all grew our own food. Today, Diego is taking a group of about 30 of us around a popular Sydney park, Prince Alfred Park in Surrey Hills, to show us just how common weeds are in our local environment. So we are in a typical park over here in, uh, in any city in the world. So there is a whole combination of various plants. There's the plants that the gardeners plant and uh, uh, for vari- using various parameters, usually... Uh, the look and um, how sturdy they are yeah and in this case we are surrounded by bushes of dianella dianella which are yummy although foraging in public spaces like parks is a bit of a legal gray zone the answer is not simple it depends what it depends who owns the place it depends who's watching so um you cannot forage. Uh, you cannot forage things that uh, are being planted. So today's lesson is more about identifying what's in your backyard and maybe your neighbour's backyard. Yeah, if you go to a friend's property, to someone else's garden, you say, "Hey, I'm going to come and pull out all of your weeds." What are they going to say? Thank you, probably. Thank you, probably. <laughs> exactly. So, when it comes to weeds, you enter what they call uh, a grey zone. As long as you have permission from the, from the owner, from the whoever, the authority of the place to step in the place, you know, they're not going to stop you from pulling out weeds. If you have recently been cursing weeds because they are a nuisance to pull out or are destroying your exotic garden, take note. This, you will know this one. Who goes in the bush and it comes out, there's all of these seeds stuck in their socks. Yeah, you go in the bush, you come out, there's all of these forks-like seeds stuck in their socks, yeah? This plant is called Farmer's Friend, named because the thistles stick to your clothing. There it is. It comes with little fork-like seeds, yeah? You recognise it because you go in the bush, you get stuck in your pullover or whatever, yeah? Latin name, Biden Spilosa, yeah? And don't worry if you can't say it, it's a dead language. Say it however you like it, Yeah? You don't need to say it with my accent. My, who said that my accent is right? It's a dead language. You can eat the leaves and the flowers. Leaves can be added to salads or steamed and added to soups and stews. It's the perfect winter weed. And this is where the fun part of the tour starts. Try the flower, whoever is. You want to try the flower? Yes. Okay. So, flower is interesting, yeah? Flower is interesting because. Um, in many ways, flower is the, 
The, the flower is, is sweeter mm. than the leaves. Mm. Okay? It's very sweet. Mm. Yeah? It's, it's quite, great. It's, it's quite nice. It's a very healthy mm. taste. So, mm. you know, I work a lot with chefs before. It's great. How yep. would you describe because the flower? They do. Yeah, they come with me quite subtle, actually. It doesn't have a particularly strong flavour at all. Yeah. Um, quite sort of, yeah, quite delicate and floral. Yeah. Not a strong taste. Mm. You know how you put flowers on cakes? You could almost put that yeah, on a cake. You could, yeah, yeah. Let's try the leaf mine, now. Okay, this is for my show and tell. You can eat the other ones. So, a little bit mustardy. Yeah, mm. you like it? Yeah. You like it? You like it? You don't like it? You don't like bitter? <laughs> so, here it is. That's your first taste of a weed. You ate the weed, yeah? And it's not going to set you high. Well, maybe won't send you high in that sense. But Diego says okay. the freshness it is. is better That's for us. Is. When you pick it in a, in a clean environment, it's is good happy food yeah it's food that grew out of itself it's not being bred for whatever size colors sugar level it's being bred out of you know out of his own survival skills so, can you, know. you taste the di- can you taste when a plant is a happy plant you definitely can taste when uh, a plant grew out to help a happy soil yes most definitely yes yes not only that, weeds are said to have medicinal properties. That's a pedispurge. That's a cancer weed. That's anything. Mm. Yeah, yeah, very good. Burning cancers off with that. Yeah, yeah. That's the that's what? cash crop these days. Yeah, I know. People grow that weed because it's the best answer to skin cancer they have after all of this year of research. Exactly that. So milkweed. Okay. It's called milkweed, and you just put it on. Yeah. Apply topically. This is highly caustic. Don't eat that. No. <laughs> yeah, don't really. put it anywhere near your eyes. You dabbed know? a bit of, I, I would call it pus. milkweed, milk. so it yeah. comes out as a yeah. white kind of yeah. liquid. Yeah. While we might not be able to grow pumpkins or apples in our garden, it's good to know we can identify weeds to enhance the flavour of whatever we cook and making sure those useful weeds don't end up in the green bin. Plus, as we all know, because weeds are so difficult to kill off, we may end up needing them more and more in the future as the climate heats up. Particularly now, environment 2.0, particularly now is the, is the plants and actually we should just rethink, yeah? Because might, might, might just as well be our best friends. If you're following along at home, don't get too excited and rush out to your garden for some extra flavour for tonight's dinner. Diego says you need to get knowledge first before stuffing your gob with weeds. Go if you if you never done it before, if you have no idea, if you don't cannot tell the difference between an apple and a peach, uh, go out with someone. If you don't know what you're doing, don't do anything. Yeah, until someone taught you. And then after that, there are three rules. Three rules. Rule number one: best place to forage is your own garden. As in, you forage where you know it's clean. You forage where you know that. You have some idea how many dogs live over there, yeah. You have some idea the history of the place, you know. You know, and you've been looking at the plants. You've been look after the plants. Second rule: positively identify everything, which goes with what I was saying before. You know, just if you don't know what you're looking at, don't touch it. So. Um, and rule number three: be nice to the colonies. Don't, don't over harvest. Don't be the arrogant human you can be. Say thank you for what you get given. It's not free, it's a gift. That's Diego Bonetto with Weeds 101. Next time I do some gardening, I'll make sure to put some weeds aside for dinner then. Mm. 
When I was in high school, I used to work at this cake and pie shop a couple of days a week after school, and it was along a main highway near where I live, and it was one of those pit stop areas along the highway where you could drive into. And there are a strip of shops and food places either side of the cake shop I worked at. I remember every day there would be so much rubbish at the end of the day, and not just from the shop I worked at, but everywhere along the strip. This is stuff that didn't even need to be chucked out into the bin either. It was food scraps. And looking back and thinking about it, I'm like, why didn't we approach the other shops and say, why don't we start a compost out the back? There was plenty of room. It was just this big grassy area with nothing on it. Why didn't we do something about it with the other small businesses? <laughs> um, look, for, for us, it's not it's not not about cost saving, but the fact that we're you know investing into a renewable energy source that's important to us because if you've got to buy if you've got to buy your power from somewhere, why not you know buy it from local community and have it made by the sun. I'm at the Rising Sun Workshop in Newtown, which is a suburb in Sydney's inner west, and there's lots of eager faces around here. Everyone's chatting amongst themselves. Most of them are from local businesses around this area. Hi, I'm Oscar. I'm one of the directors of Young Henry's Brewing. And they're all here for a similar reason. Young Henry's is made up of a bunch of, um, you know, bright-minded individuals who actually care about our community and our world we care about our beer and we care about how we produce it and the effects that that production can have on you know on on our world so the green living center in newtown reached out to a number of different businesses around the area to come to this meet and it's to get the ball rolling in terms of sustainability and, and fuel some momentum in that discussion of what sustainability is and what you can do. Oscar and Young Henry's have already got some things up their sleeves. Pingala is it is community-owned solar where people from the local community can actually invest in solar panels on a business's roof and the business actually is basically buying power directly from people within the community. So there were a few really nice crossovers. Uh, the fact that we've got a big flat roof and we are a larger energy user kind of made um, the relationship sort of cemented, I guess. Solar's a big one here today and high up on the we could do more in this area list, but some of the other business owners have different things in mind. Hi, I'm Chris Tay. I started Black Star Pastry. We're in Newtown in Australia Street. We see a lot of people who come through our shop and just the amount of packaging kind of concerns me and I know there are better ways to do it, but lately it's been um, just a process of really researching what will make a difference. So I've been very, very focused on recycling and uh, using local produce, but the more I learn, the more I understand it's about really lowering impacts. And, and changing to sustainable ways of doing things, which sometimes are just a matter of a conversation or, or changing a process. The Green Living Centre is also offering a free audit to the business owners who are here, essentially meaning an expert will work with them to see what's good and what's bad in what they're doing with their business. Uh, here's our audit expert who can explain things in a little bit more detail, though. Hi, my name's Gareth. I'm from Huxham Energy Consulting. 
Yeah, look, I think it's hard for a lot of small business owners to really understand and know what are the best options to be more sustainable, how to get their energy usage as low as they can. Um, look, that's not their area of expertise, and it shouldn't be. But under this program, and I'll, I'll be going to the businesses, and they get to speak with an expert who can show them the best things to do. So this data, what sort of things are we talking about? We're talking about um, how much electricity they're using, aircon. What, what, what things are we talking yeah, about? Yeah, so first we're looking at electricity usage, their gas consumption. We'll also be looking at other greenhouse sources, so their waste and recycling and things like that. Um, and then the next step is actually to go to the site and do an inspection and try to find what are the best opportunities to reduce their, their energy usage and also their greenhouse emissions you know, in general across the site. Gareth also has a good example of a business he's worked with on this before. This is a Thai restaurant in Pagewood and someone had just recently taken over the business and when they got their first bills, they're quite shocked to see quite how high they were. Um, so we benchmarked their performance compared to other restaurants we looked at and we found that their usage and their cost were just through the roof. And we found there's quite a few issues with that site. There was big control issues with their air conditioning systems. We also found they're on pretty poor rates. So just by optimising a few things and by, by doing a few simple changes, we were able to reduce their electricity usage by about 56%. Um, and they're saving $25,000 a year on their energy bills. For the Thai restaurant, Gareth says it was as simple as using even a different stove or, or not chucking something out that you can compost, but also realising businesses work in different ways and certain things may work for one and other things not for others. Yeah, exactly. We're not going to save every business $25,000. And look, some businesses will go to and find they're doing so many things right, and that's great that we can use them as an example to help other businesses. Um, And we can also work with those businesses to take it to the next level. So we can do the LED lighting first. We can look at a few simple measures and then say, what's that next step to get to that next level of sustainability to really get those greenhouse emissions as low as we can? You might be aware of the chatter coming from the current government about we're working with small business. That's where the jobs are and we're funding small business. However, not everyone here is completely convinced by that. Here's Suji. She's the one who put the whole day together. I have to say, small businesses kind of tend to get left out into in the larger um, like government supported programs. There's, there's a bit of a gap. So in small businesses, they're often staffed and owned by the same people so you know they're very short on on time and resources every dollar you know matters they're also quite close with the community so a lot of small business owners live in the community they're really close to their community especially in in this area the businesses you know instead of reinventing the wheel you know there might be one business that's already got a supplier that does you know um more sustainable packaging and so it's really good if they can share the information so they're not sort of reinventing the wheel and having to start from from scratch. Small business have a big hand to play here and they're also the ones with a lot of the good ideas. Uh, here's Oscar again from Young Henry's. You know like cafes and restaurants what if they had a group compost for their food scraps? You know a few different people got in together and there was a weekly pickup or you know like even it got to a daily pickup that went to a communal composting facility um you know like little ideas thinking outside the square like the buying power that all of our businesses could have if we all got together and approached a an environmentally sustainable packaging company for example you say look you get the business of you know let's say 10 10 businesses we'll become champions for your packaging but you need to 
you need to be able to produce sustainable, affordable, you know, packaging solution. I think that there's definitely strength in numbers and you can learn a lot from from looking outside of your own business at other people, what other people are doing. That's Oscar from Young Henry's Brewery. Thanks for listening to the show. Think Sustainability is produced with the assistance of the University of Technology Sydney and 2SER. For more information about what you've heard today, head along to our website, 2SER.com forward slash Think Sustainability. And you can also subscribe to us on your favourite podcast app. Just search for Think Sustainability. I'm Ellen Liebeter. I'm Jake Morecambe. See you next week.